Theodore Robert Bundy, born November 24, 1946, was an American serial killer, kidnapper, rapist, and necrophile who assaulted and murdered dozens of young women during the 1970s. Just before his execution, he confessed to killing 30 women in seven states between 1974 and 1978. The real number of his victims is unknown. Many of Bundy's young female victims saw him as handsome and charming, traits that he exploited to win their trust. He would approach them in public places, feigning injury or disability or impersonating an authority figure before overpowering and assaulting them at more secluded locations. He decapitated at least 12 of his victims and for a period of time, he kept some of the severed heads as mementos in his apartment. In 1975, Bundy was jailed for the first time in Utah for aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. He then became a suspect in a longer list of unsolved homicides in multiple states. Facing murder charges in Colorado, he engineered two dramatic escapes and committed more assaults and three murders before his ultimate recapture in Florida in 1978. For the Florida homicides, he received three death sentences in two separate trials. Bundy was executed by electric chair at Florida State Prison on January 24, 1989. Biographer Ann Rule described Bundy as a sadistic sociopath who took pleasure from another human's pain and the control he had over his victims to the point of death and even after. Attorney Polly Nelson, a member of his last defense team, wrote, Ted was the very definition of heartless evil. That's the most in-depth I'll talk about Ted Bundy this episode. Serial killers get enough attention in the media and, unfortunately, their names are often better remembered than their innocent victims. In this episode, we're going to focus on one of those victims a 17-year-old girl named Deborah, or Debbie Kent, from Bountiful, Utah. Debbie's younger brother, Blair, was one of my dad's best friends growing up. The story of Debbie's abduction by Ted Bundy is one that's near and dear to my family because of my dad's close ties with the Kent family. I'm going to present the facts of Debbie's disappearance, why we think she was a victim of Bundy's, though her body has never been found, and some personal thoughts from the Kents themselves. Join me this week as we take a closer look at the unsolved disappearance and murder of Debbie Kent. I'm Jaden McKell, and you're listening to Straight Up Enigmas. Welcome back to Straight Up Enigmas. We've had a break of a couple weeks, but I am 
excited to be back. I'm ready to go. I think you all are going to really enjoy this episode. It's one that I have been thinking of doing for a long time. I'm excited to get this one out to you. I hope that you all had a safe and happy holiday season with your family and friends. I know that I did, but I'm also glad to be back doing the podcast. Please, please continue spreading the word to your family and friends about Straight Up Enigmas through social media or by word of mouth. And be sure to leave a five-star review of this episode from wherever you're listening. It may not seem like a big deal, but it really helps out the podcast when you subscribe and leave that five-star rating. Thanks so much in advance for doing so, everyone. One more quick announcement before we begin. I've had so many people coming to me with their own spooky supernatural experiences. So many that I haven't been able to write them all down. So I want to try something new. If you send me your creepy story or experience in the form of a five-star review on the podcast app, I promise to feature it in a special episode full of listener stories. It must be in the form of a five-star review on the podcast app, though. I'd love to hear from you all and also tell your friends about this. I think you'd be surprised to find out just how many people have had unexplained things happen to them. Ask, and I think you'll be surprised. Thanks again for your support, everyone. Now, let's get back to the story. Like I mentioned in the opening, Debbie's case is a sensitive topic for me, but not just because my dad knew Debbie and her brother Blair. When Debbie went missing, the Kent family was understandably torn apart. The Kent's oldest son, Bill, idolized his sister, and her abduction shook him to his roots. Bill never really accepted it, Blair said. He was very bitter and hateful toward Bundy. Bill was killed by a drunk driver only two years after Debbie went missing. Dean Kent, Debbie's dad, started drinking and quit his job as an oil company executive. He walked out on his 29-year marriage to wife Belva Kent and fathered a child which Belva herself helped raise. Dean told reporters, I certainly feel Bundy was the cancer that destroyed our family. So yeah, Ted Bundy was an evil guy. He tore families apart. Why are we so sure he was involved in Debbie's disappearance in the first place? Let's talk about her case. What happened on the night she was last seen? The following comes from thedeadhistory.com. On the evening of November 8, 1974, Serial killer Ted Bundy made his way to Viewmont High School in Bountiful, Utah after an unsuccessful kidnapping attempt at Fashion Place Mall in Salt Lake City. What led him to Viewmont High that night is unknown. What we do know is that he was living in downtown Salt Lake at the time while attending law school at the University of Utah. 17-year-old high school senior Debbie Kent was at the school watching a play with her parents. The play was running late, and so she offered to go pick up her 10-year-old brother, Blair, from the rustic rink, a local roller skating rink which was about 10 minutes away so that her parents could finish watching the play. Debbie said goodbye to her parents and walked out of the auditorium. 
People later reported seeing her walking towards her car, which was parked in the west parking lot of the school. Others reported seeing a well-dressed, attractive man pacing outside the auditorium. Bundy also approached a young, attractive teacher, trying to get her to go to the parking lot with him to help identify a car. An interesting side note here is that I believe this young teacher was also the school's cheerleading coach. My friend Michael told me her aunt was a cheerleader at Vuma at the time, and she heard from her coach that Bundy had tried to lure her to the parking lot. After an hour had passed and Debbie failed to return to pick up her parents, they walked to a friend's house for a ride home. They realized something was very wrong when they saw their car was the only one left in the school parking lot. They rushed to the car and found Debbie's purse and keys nearby. She had never even made it to the car, Belva would later say. Police later found a small handcuff key that matched the handcuffs used by Bundy in his failed attempt to kidnap Carol DeRanche, an 18-year-old who had stumbled into the police station in Murray, just 17 miles from Bountiful. Carol had spilled out a horrifying story about being kidnapped and nearly killed by a handsome man who had lured her into his Volkswagen. Years passed and both Debbie's parents and local officials continued to exhaust all leads in their search to find out what happened to her. By 1977, prosecutors in Colorado were actively trying to link Bundy to Debbie's disappearance. After escaping from custody more than once, Ted Bundy was finally convicted of murder and sentenced to death on July 13, 1979. While charges were never filed against Bundy for the abduction of Debbie Kent, he confessed to her abduction and murder shortly before his execution by electric chair on January 24, 1989, at the Florida State Prison. He gave detectives the approximate location in which they could find her body. But when they arrived, all they found was a human patella, and they were never able to confirm that it belonged to Debbie. Both Belva and Dean Kent decided that in this one rare instance, Bundy had actually told the truth. Based on what we had known from his confession, his description fit the area. I'm confident it's a good possibility that's where he disposed of the remains, Dean said. It's given me peace of mind to believe that's what happened. Peace of mind. That's what the Kents have been craving since 1974. They've done their best to cope with Debbie's murder, buying a burial plot at Bountiful City Cemetery with images of theater masks and ballet slippers, and the words, Debbie was a true friend to everyone inscribed on the headstone. They've laid her to rest in that empty plot, hoping, I'm sure, to bury the painful past with her. That's all for this week's episode. If you'd like to stay up to date with announcements and new pictures for each episode on the Straight Up Enigmas Instagram account, you can find us at Straight Up Enigmas. You can also show your support and follow the show on Twitter at Straight Enigmas. 
Keep spreading the word to your family and friends about the podcast through social media and make sure to leave a five-star review of this episode from wherever you're listening. It may not seem like it does a lot, but it really does help out the podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Jaden McKell. The theme song was created by Chuck Flyer. Additional music for this episode was provided by Max Kaplan. You can find them both on Instagram and Twitter. Join me next week for a brand new episode of Straight Up Enigmas.